Snake bites. Snake bites are responsible for a significant degree of morbidity and mortality worldwide, especially in low resource countries. There are over 600 identified species of venomous snakes worldwide, with the majority belonging to the Viperdae and Elipidae families. Common names among the Viperdae families are vipers, pit vipers, and adders. Distinguishing features of Viperdae family include long, retractable fangs, triangular heads, elliptical pupils, and small scales on their tails. Pit vipers also have heat-sensing pit adjacent to their nares for movement detection and to aid in hunting prey. Etiology. Snake envenomation worldwide is a primarily related to occupational exposure, such as farmers and hunters, but is also seen among tourists exploring the outdoors. When snake envenomation occurs in humans, the initial damage is local around the bite site and may spread to systemic toxicity depending upon the species. Snakes primarily use their venom production for targeting prey, but is also a form of self-defense. Some species can selectively release the venom, leading to the occurrence of dry bites in which there is no delivery of venom. When venom gets released with the bite, the overall toxicity is dependent upon both the volume and the venom released and the medium total lethal dose, LD50, of the venom. Epidemiology. There are an estimated 1.2 to 5.5 million people affected by snake bites worldwide each year and with as many as 94,000 of these leading to death. The regional variation is quite staggering with only five snake bite related deaths occurring in the United States in comparison to India, which has one of the world's largest number of snake bites annually with an estimated 50,000 snake bite related deaths. The cause of this variation is twofold, the first being a higher prevalence of venomous snakes in a more densely populated region with poor living conditions. The second factor is that access to health care in these regions is limited with long travel times to reach a suitable treatment center and lack of antivenom availability. Within the United States, the vast majority of snake envenomations occur in the southwest states with envenomations of the Viperdae family. Children only comprised 28% of the envenomations, and males were more likely to be victims at 59%. Pathophysiology. The symptoms seen from snake envenomations are mainly due to toxic components in their venom. The exact composition ranges from species to species and can vary significantly from localized tissue destruction to profound coagulopathies. The clinical effect on humans is related to both potency and the volume of the toxin released during the snake bite. The venom released by the inland taipan from Australia is the most potent in the world with a lethal dose of only 0.01 milligrams per kilogram with an average envenomation of 44 milligrams. Their envenomations have greater than 80% mortality. The composition of snake venom from a single species of venomous snake can consist of up to 100 different toxic elements. Local tissue destruction is primarily due to hyaluronidase and proteolytic enzymes in the snake venom, which can lead to local tissue edema, blistering, and tissue necrosis. There are a variety of proteins and polypeptides with toxic effects, such as neurotoxins and hemotoxins. Most of the hemotoxic or neurotoxic effects are secondary to damage at both the presynaptic and postsynaptic terminals of the neuromuscular junction. There are a wide variety of hemotoxins which the effects on the coagulation cascade, platelet activation, and fibrin clot formation. History and physical. A detailed history history of a patient suspected of a snake bite is essential to delineate treatment options moving forward. Information 
to obtain includes the timing and the location of the bite, the onset of any symptoms the patient has been experiencing, and any first aid administered in the field. Gathering a past medical history with detail to which medications they are on, specifically antiplatelet and anticoagulant medications, and any allergies that would prohibit them from receiving an antivenom, such as horses. If possible, information on the offending snake should be gathered. Factors that contribute to the severity of the bite include size of the victim, the larger patient's doing better, part of the body bitten, exertion following the bite, depth of the bite, species of the snake causing the bite, time to the presentation of the hospital, and initial first aid given at the scene. The physical exam may or may not reveal fang marks at the injury site. There could be local tissue damage such as ecchymosis, blistering, and even tissue necrosis. Neurotoxic effects will initially present with generalized weakness, ptosis, ophthalmoplegia. This may progress to paralysis of the facial muscles and eventually respiratory failure secondary to obstruction or paralysis of the diaphragm. Significant bleeding from puncture sites, epistaxis, or evidence of spontaneous bleeding could indicate a hemotoxic effect. Patients may present with signs of shock sedentary to venom-induced vasodilation, hypovolemia, and even anaphylaxis in some cases. The physical exam should indicate the species of snake inflicting the bite. In general, tapid bites are associated with minimal tissue, local tissue damage but have a neurotoxic syndrome with systemic toxicity. Viperid bites are associated with profound local tissue damage and have hemotoxic syndrome with systemic toxicity. Symptoms that may suggest systemic effects of the envenomation include nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, lethargy, muscle weakness, muscle fasciculation, and severe headache. It is important to recognize these symptoms early to prompt initiation of anti-venom administration. The initial first aid at the scene should be minimal and aim at getting the patient to the nearest treatment center quickly. Varying options exist regarding the usefulness of placing the affected extremity in a splint and keeping it at heart level. Therefore, this should only occur if it will not delay transportation. Removal of jewelry and any other constrictive clothing on the affected limb is necessary due to the possibility of swelling and circulatory compromise. The patient should be kept calm and encouraged not to exert themselves as this could increase the snake venom absorption. The primary concern of the, of the medics is the possibility of anaphylaxis, which can easily be treated with epinephrine. Pressure bandages are another controversial topic. If the identity of the snake species is known to cause neurotoxicity and no local tissue damage, the application of a pressure bandage could slow the spread of the venom. However, if the venom is known to cause local tissue damage, the implementation of the pressure bandage may worsen the damage inflicted to the extremity. Application of a tourniquet proximal to the bite results in higher morbidity without any improvement in outcomes, so the practice has been discouraged. The use of venom extractors has also demonstrated to be ineffective. Local wound manipulation, such as incision or washout, is generally not suggested. Submersion of the extremity in ice-cold water is also not recommended. In some areas, measurement of the progressive swelling from the crotalidae, rattlesnake or copperhead, envenomation is essential to determine if antivenom is indicated. Place an ink mark on the proximal edge of the bite swelling as a baseline for serial measurements. Mark the progression of swelling with a skin marker noting the time. Measure the circumference or affected extremity at the same level each time. Measure the swelling extension and record circumference every 15 to 30 minutes. Once there has not been any progression or of edema after four consecutive measurements, then decrease measurement frequency to every hour. Antivenom is indicated if swelling progressed beyond the bite site. Identification of the offending snake species will help determine the appropriate antivenom treatment. There are two antivenoms against crotalidae approved in the United States. What else could it be? In the absence of an observed snake bite, 
Alternative envenomation such as scorpion tick spider bite should be considered based on the region. For patients with neurotoxic syndrome, one must consider Guillain-Barre as an alternative. Tick paralysis can also provide similar symptoms. Prognosis. The majority of morbidity and mortality from snake bites are secondary to toxic production associated with a bite. Patients who seek proper medical attention within the first six hours after the bite have significantly lower morbidity and mortality. Patients who are monitored and given supportive treatment during this period typically do not have any long-term side effects. Those with significant local tissue injuries secondary to the snake envenomation may develop long-standing paresthesia, muscle damage, and even amputation in severe cases. The primary complications from snake envenomations are due to direct toxic effects. The localized tissue damage may require debridement or even amputation in severe cases. Reports exist of massive coagulopathies leading to profound blood loss. These coagulopathies usually resolve within 48 hours of the snake envenomation. Profound neuromuscular blockade can also occur leading to pulmonary insufficiency if the diaphragm is involved. These symptoms also typically resolve within 72 hours of envenomation. The administration of snake antivenom requires monitoring for signs of adverse reaction. These include an anaphylactic reaction that may occur within the first few minutes of administration and up to two hours. If severe anaphylactic response is suspected, the infusion should stop and the administration of epinephrine and antihistamine should follow. Patients may also develop a hypersensitivity reaction leading to pruritus, hives, nausea, and mild hypotension. This reaction may occur at any time during the antivenom administration and will dissipate once the inf infusion is complete. There are also documented cases of serum sickness as a side effect that may occur up to two weeks after administration. These usually present as infl influenza-like symptoms with a rash and possible microhematuria. These condition, this condition responds well to short course of antihistamines and oral corticosteroids.